Hello, my name is Nick Spacek, and you're listening to From and Inspired by a podcast about soundtracks and the people who make them. On this episode, we speak with Jeff Pilson, bassist for Dokken, about that band's classic theme for A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, Dream Warriors. From 1983 to 1989, and from 1993 to 2001, Jeff Pilsen was the bassist for hard rock band Dawkin. Over the course of the band's lengthy career, Pilsen co-wrote many of the band's biggest hits, including the two tracks included in 1987's A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, Dream Warriors. The theme song has become rather iconic, as has Into the Fire, which plays over the film's opening sequence. He was briefly a member of Dio in the mid-90s, and if that wasn't enough, Pilsen now plays bass for Foreigner, whom he's been with since 2004. Throw in the fact that the bassist also played on the soundtrack for the Judas Priest-inspired 2001 film Rockstar, as well as appearing in the film, and we have a lot to talk about. Well, again, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to me. I really do appreciate it. Mm-hmm. My pleasure. I am so excited to talk to you about Dawkin and specifically the song Dream Warriors from A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. Um, that is uh, probably one of the more classic 
uh, horror movie uh, theme songs of the, of the 80s, if not of all time. <laughs> wow. Uh, wow. That's kind of a, that's a large honor. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. And I mean, you're one of the two co-writers of this song. Um, I am. And uh, like it, it came dead smack uh, towards the um, middle of your time with Dawkins. And uh, it was co-written by you and uh, George Lynch, the very notable guitarist. Um, mm-hmm. uh, like Dawkins was coming off like a really big smash album uh, at, at that point. Um, like, how did how did you come to be involved in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise? Well, you know, our manager, Cliff Bernstein, uh, he was very good friends with Wes Craven, who was, you know, the creator of Nightmare's uh, franchise and <clears throat> ran um, New Line Cinema. Uh, so basically, I believe the two of them were having a discussion and Cliff suggested to him that Dawkins should provide the soundtrack for the next record or for the next movie. So um, they actually, they gave us a script. And uh, George and I took the script and used some of the lyrics and came up with uh, the song. So um, it was very organic. Uh, it was very simple. Um, and they were very happy with the song, which made it very easy. <laughs> now, um, like heavy metal and, and horror music have been together almost like since the, the, the start. I mean, Black Sabbath. Um, took yeah. their name from a from a '60s Italian horror movie and things like that. Were you all uh, familiar with with the the franchise uh, of A Nightmare on Elm Street before you oh, tackled sure. it? Sure. Yeah, it was it was a pretty popular franchise <clears throat> long before we got a hold of it. Were were you were you uh, fans of the the genre yourselves? Um. Well, I think I think George was more of a horror guy than I'm. I've never been a huge horror guy. Um, I, I like parts of it, but you know, I'm, I don't. That's not my first choice of movie to to see. Um, but uh, it was pop. They were popular movies that were kind of hard to miss. So I was very aware of it. Um, I'd say George was more of a fan than I was, but I was a fan to, to a certain extent. Now, were there any things that like stood out to you in the script? Because like I find it really interesting. Like you're you're writing this song based off the script, and so like how is that transition from writing the song based off the script and then seeing the final film and how those two came together? Um. Well, I <laughs> I think I think we were always amazed at how easily it did. I mean we were able to incorporate some stuff from the script into the lyrics. I mean, we didn't give it all. I, I, I don't want to say we didn't give it a lot of thought because we were thinking about it, but it just came easy. That's the best way to put it. And then when we saw the movies, like, wow, that just works so simple. You know, it's like uh, sometimes just your gut feeling and common sense work great. And in this case they did. Now, um, what, what's interesting is you also have another song in the film, uh, into the fire plays over the, like the opening credits. So like you get, you get to be the first music that, that people hear. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that was, that was part of the deal too. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, because I mean, that was that was from the album that had just uh, come out and um, was did very, 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 very. Actually, no, it, no, it, it, it had come oh, from no. uh, we had uh, under lock and key had come out before uh, before uh, nightmare. So um, it was actually and, and uh, the fire was on tooth and nail with the record before that. So it was actually a couple records before, but it was a you know it was one one of our popular songs and all that kind of thing. yeah. So, like, you were you were in Dokken for 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 quite a few years, and uh, also came back later on um, during during one of the the reunions. Um, like, how do you look back on your your time with the band? Well, very fondly because you know through Dokken, um we got to meet and work with a lot of great people. I mean, had I not been in Dokken, I certainly would not have been doing Nightmare on Elm Street. So, <laughs> you know, in, in ways like that, you've got to look at it very fondly. Um, and then I, I just, um, it was great to be in a band that had a great working chemistry. And there was just so many great things about being in Dokken. You know, our management was amazing. I mean, all these, all these wonderful things um, that made, made life very cool for us um so yeah i i mean i gotta say it was it was it was a great experience so um Dokken made tons of music videos including one for dream warriors that is Mm -hmm. um that features uh robert england in it um like in his uh, character as, as freddy krueger um like uh that is it, it, it's sort of a, a a rarity to to actually you know it's not just a bunch of film clips like it has a bit of a plot to it um uh or do you have any memories from the shooting of that video that are particularly oh, sure. notable oh yeah i mean it, for one for one thing robert england was really a funny guy i mean both personally and and professionally he was just really good at being funny he was a re- he was a very down-to-earth guy but he was he was just really funny i mean even when we weren't on camera he was just a funny guy very talented i mean extremely talented deserves everything he's ever gotten because of that um so my, my main memory is just joking around with him and also uh patricia arquette was on the set as well and um <laughs> he, kept, he kept making a little joke, not not at her necessarily, but just he would just say funny little things. I don't even remember the specifics, but I just remember he was, you know, Patricia Arquette seemed kind of distant, I, like she didn't really want anything to do with us, and he just kind of kept making jokes about <laughs> that. <laughs> but um, but you know, then again, you know, she was a young kid, and we were a rock band, so she probably wanted nothing to do with us. So I can't say I blame her, but <laughs> but it was pretty funny. So it would it would be like um like a solid decade decade and a half before you would have an involvement with a film again but it ended up being a, a pretty big deal your Jurgen uh the bass player for the band Steel Dragon in 2001's Rockstar which is one of the like very few uh films that features you know like actual musicians being musicians in a film uh and then also like playing the music that's featured it like that seems like that was that's a that's a that's a lot of work as opposed to just like acting or just playing music like you're having to do the whole thing yeah it was 
well, it was actually pretty cool. Um, it, and I think even more importantly, it kind of, it was a key to why the band kind of worked for the movie because we did make the music and it was real. And, you know, that was, that was the whole, that was the director's real objective was to make it as real as possible. You know, still there's going to be little Hollywood things here and there, but, but for the most part, he wanted it very real. In fact, that's how I got the part because I was originally brought in to just be the studio bass player for the, for the recording. And, you know, the music is, was done, going to be done before the movie. Um, so I came in and I started rehearsing with the band and, you know, Zach and Jason were going to be in the movie. And then pretty quickly they made me musical director. <laughs> so, um, we, we, uh, as we started working with the music, um, the director was coming down to the rehearsals and just, you know, checking in, staying with us and everything. And after a few days of working together, um, he just came up to me and said, you know, I, I love the chemistry that you guys have. You guys really seem like a real band. And I was like, well, we kind of are, you know, we're, we're real musicians doing music. And yeah, and he goes, well, he goes, what would you think about being in the movie? And like, let me think about it. Okay. <laughs> you know, one of those, um, so it worked out great. And and, I, and again, I think that it was all, I wasn't chosen because I'm an Academy Award winning actor. I was chosen because I'm a musician and he wanted it as real as possible. So, um, and I think that was a stroke of brilliance on his part because, you know, I mean, not that that movie is, you know, gone with the wind or anything, but it does, has had a real cult following and a lot of rock people love that movie. And I think part of it is that it was, it was real. It was real musicians making real music. Um, making it their own. You know, we, we took the time to kind of cultivate a style and um, they were just, they were pleased with the results and we were pleased and I think a lot of fans were. So I think that's a lot of the reason why the movie was. One of the things I've always kind of wondered about that film is like, I know that like the big stadium concert scene was actually shot during a stadium concert. Uh, and I didn't know until like a few years ago that, that was before, like, as part of, like, a Metallica and Megadeth concert? Well, actually, no, that's not exactly Oh, really? It was a Megadeth show. And what happened was, is while, you know, we, we, we booked the uh, Los Angeles Sports Arena for a month to do all the scenes. Uh, I mean, all the live scenes and backstage scenes and all that stuff. So while we were, and so at one point they figured, well, we'd like to get a real audience going. So somehow they worked it out that um, Megadeth was going to come play. I think it was a Friday night or something. I know it was May 10th. I just remember that for some reason. Um, but anyway, so uh, Megadeth was going to play and they announced it on local radio. A couple other bands played as well. And so they had this show. But before those bands went on, we came on and played for... I want to say an hour, hour and a half, something like that. And we did, we did our whatever four songs or whatever, you know, multiple times. It came out and told the audience, look, this is, you're being part of, you know, a movie right now. So you're going to see you know, multiple, the same song a couple of times. You're going to see multiple takes, blah, 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 blah. And they you know, explained it nice to the audience, but I mean, it's an LA audience. They, they know what that's <laughs> all about. So, so it was actually a Megadeth show, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a full, LA sports arena. And we got to kind of pretend like we were playing a real concert as well as you know, all the, all the state stuff that we did for the month that we were there. So it was just, again, all contributing 
to make it feel real, which was great. So now you're you're playing uh, bass with Foreigner, and I know that you were supposed to be on tour this summer with Kansas in Europe because that was supposed to be a show uh, very close to me uh, in Kansas City um, on a Friday night, and I was super bummed that <laughs> when that reminder came up on Facebook. Um, so... Um, and I, I know that you had a, an album uh, come out uh, back in February uh, as uh, part of Black Swan. Um, the, how are how are you coping right now, uh, like creatively, not being able to tour and things of that nature? Well, uh, on a creative side, I'm actually coping quite well because you know I have a beautiful recording studio connected to my home. And uh, so I'm able to do a lot of projects here. I've been doing a lot of recording. And that's kind of my love. My passion is recording. I mean, I love to play live like anybody. But um, but I do love to record. And I love the recording studio. I love the writing process, the recording process, all that. I just love. So um, it was, uh, it's been very nice. I mean, I've done, like I say, I've been doing a few projects here. I've been... Uh, George Lynch and I, who you mentioned earlier, have done two projects together. We did one uh, that's a, a group called Heavy Hitters, and it's it's basically George and I with some guests doing cover songs. And uh, the singer for it is a guy by the name of Will Martin, who's fabulous. He's in a band called Earshot. And Brian Tishy played drums. And uh, then we had Mark Turin from the Bullet Boys came and oh, sang nice. a song. So it's us doing t- kind of like cover songs you wouldn't expect us to do but we did them kind of our way i'm not sure when that's coming out probably towards the end of the year but that's really cool and then we just got finished writing 11 songs for a new end machine record because that's another project that george lynch and i have um so we we're we're, and we're still recording and working on that but we've written 11 songs now so that's been really fun really productive um and like you say creative so uh, in the studio, I've been very fulfilled uh, doing lots of stuff. And then um, also just, uh, you know, getting to spend a lot of time with my family. So between those two things, I'm actually coping quite well. I, I know there's a lot of people that are really having a hard time out there and really struggling. And I, I feel for that. But uh, fortunately, I'm not one of them at this point, And I'm just very grateful for the stuff I've got. Well, that is absolutely great to hear. Sir, Mr. Pilsen, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk oh, to me about pleasure, movies and you. your current work. Um, this has been a real blast. Great, man. Well, good luck on everything and uh, talk to you again, I'm sure.
thanks to Jeff Pilsen for talking with me. His official website is jeffpilsen.com, that's P-I-L-S-O-N, and can be found on Facebook at Official Jeff Pilsen and on Twitter at Jeff Pilsen. You can find links to purchase all of the music you heard on the show in the show notes for this episode, which are at fromaninspiredby.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at FromInspiredPod and can be found on Instagram at FromInspiredBy. You can subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Click those follow and subscribe buttons, please. Also, please hit up the website and click on the Aid and Assistance button to help us pay for web hosting and long-distance fees. And remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. We'll be back next week, closing out our month of spooky coverage as we talk about the music for last year's vampire film, The Shed, with composer Sam Ewing. Until then, thanks for listening. Sorry, kid. I don't believe in fairy tales. Ah!